<laughs> no way my Gino did that. It's an Enzo. He was in the shop. I thought you told me he wasn't going to be there. So what? So I didn't want to hurt his feelings. His feelings? You can't continue seeing him. You're destroying yourself. Yeah, but, he's... <laughs> but I don't want to be a secondary character. Buongiorno, come stay, bene bene. Welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, a Seinfeld podcast where we talk about the secondary characters from the greatest sitcom of all time. My name is Ivano. And I am Stefano. 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 That's right. And we are hairdressers. Our uncle Enzo and our cousin Gino work in the shop as well. No, we are the barbers. And we're doing the whole episode like this. Oh, we're not, are we? Yes. (laughs) Well, I am. You can. Whatever. It's okay, because you're Italian. Yeah, and you're being the racist. Italians are white people. You can't be racist to them. No, that's right. They're the European. They're European. Oh, my God. Plus some of my cousins. They're Italian as well. That's right. So you're Italian by association. Yes. yes. Goodness gracious. Yes. So, yes. We are talking about today season, what is it, five? Season five, episode eight, The Barber. The Barber. That's right. And, Stephen, I told you on the way over here, in the newly named, I should actually make an announcement first before we get into the, um, The Barber. We have actually, well, I've come up with a great idea for the name. Well, not me. It was actually another listener. His name's Andrew from Melbourne. He sent us a Facebook post and he said, why don't you call it Vandalay Studios? Makes perfect sense. So what do you think? Vandalay Studios? That's what it is. We'll declare it Vandalay Studios. That's what it is. So thank you, Andrew. So from now on, our studios are called, they used to be H.E. Pennypacker Studios, but now they're Vandalay Studios. Makes perfect sense. It's a yeah. it's a subsidiary of Vandalay Industries. That's they're right. They're getting into media and podcasting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're their pilot. Yeah, that's right. We got the box of latex products in the corner and <laughs> uh, we'll sell those eventually. <laughs> yeah. You're the salesman. We're latex salesmen, <laughs> tra- salespeople, salesmen in training and you want to be my latex salesman Stephen <laughs> Jesus uh, if you want to get in touch for latex products you can email us at <laughs> bidwabask podcast b-i-d-w-b-a-s-c podcast at gmail.com you can say hello on Twitter Instagram Facebook and Reddit you can listen to this episode obviously because you are now and all previous episodes on any podcast service and if you want to rate us or review us or spread the word that would be amazing and finally we are on Patreon as well so check out patreon.com forward slash b-i-d-w-b-a-s-c to check out the various tiers per month and what you get for your hard earned bucks yeah and if this is your first episode listening welcome aboard and uh, we hope you enjoy our back catalogue and future apps Indeed. Yeah, indeed. Seinfeld-isms, Stephen. So every week, Stephen and I talk about our real-world experiences based on Seinfeld. So, uh, Stephen, has anything Seinfeld-related happened in your day-to-day life? Yeah, so I was listening to a podcast through the week. I actually discovered it maybe two weeks ago, um, and they're Melbourne boys. It's called Plumbing the Death Star, and Uh they're kind of pop culture nerds. um, And what they do is take a... I guess like a very obvious question in pop culture and they kind of they basically make fun of you know comics and and sci-fi movies and and anything pop culture by Mm. just asking a dumb question like who is the best friend and then they objectively rank all the best friends Ah. based on based on their behavior in in that show or Mm -hmm. uh, you know why did Skynet persist in failing to kill Sarah Connor and then they just make fun of Skynet because it just fucked up over and over again yeah so they (laughs) so they just sort of you know basically poke fun and and make fun of of pop culture 
things. Okay, cool. Um, and yeah. in one of their episodes, they mention George Costanza. That's it. That's Excellent. my Seinfeldism. Fantastic. What about you? So what 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 context do they talk about George Costanza? Can't even remember. remember? Okay. I just made a mental note that they mentioned George in one of their episodes because <laughs> I've been binging it a lot. Who was the best friend? The shit friend. <laughs> That's George. <laughs> well, George, even though he's a scumbag, is still better than all of the other friends. <laughs> yeah. Just because he's from Seinfeld. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> if he was a seventh friend, he would still be better than all oh, them. Oh, those friends. Oh, I see what you're trying to do. Yeah. Seinfeld yeah, yeah. friends battle. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Fair enough. He wins, even though he's probably the worst person out of all of them. <laughs> he's still the best because he's because he's George. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Seinfeld beats friends. Everyone knows that. Um, so my Seinfeldism for this week, Stephen, it actually kind of leans into my listener mail. Uh, well, we've actually got a couple of bits of listener mail that we're going to talk about later in the episode, but I kind of got a Seinfeldism out of the listener mail. So uh, we got an Instagram message from a guy named Parkers. He's the host or the co-host of a podcast called The Campfire with Parkers and Daily. So there are a couple of guys from Melbourne, and they just shoot the breeze basically about any topics and it's pretty hilarious i've listened to their banter they uh, seem to have pretty good chemistry and the most interesting thing about it is it's not just your standard two guys with a mic kind of podcast uh, they have a simulated fireplace so there's actually sound effects of crickets and wood fire crackling and all that sort of stuff so, so it's actually, almost like they're camping yeah it's like they're camping and it's great because it, it has that kind of outdoor vibe to it so which is something which is pretty unique in a podcast. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Parker's reached out to us, so we'll read his message later on. But one of the, the Seinfeldism that came out from it is um, we were just having like a bit of a back and forth kind of, you know, messaging on Instagram and stuff. And he's, um, he said that one of the running jokes of his podcast is he's a massive Seinfeld fan, but his co-host Daily uh, used to like it, but not as much anymore. And whenever he gets the chance, he always brings up Seinfeld. He tries to incorporate Kramer or George or Jerry or whatever into conversation and his mate's like what the hell are you doing man like what's that got to do with anything and there's actually um, episode 6 of their podcast he recommended to me it's actually called and it's related to Seinfeldisms from last week Steinfeld oh nice yeah because he says I listened to that episode and uh, in the last 20 minutes is basically Parker's bragging about Seinfeld and he, I think it was his dad or his uncle or something used to mistakenly call it Steinfeld when it came out <laughs> in the 90s. He's like, oh, Steinfeld's on. And yeah, I, I think Steinfeld. it was like a, a relative of his, yeah, but it was pretty funny. And, and just daily for the last 20 minutes of the pod, they were talking about other stuff as well. But the last 20 minutes, it's like, oh, God, spare me. <laughs> Let's just finish this up. You oh, know. that's good. Yeah, it's fun. So just a n- nice bit of banter. Um, we'll leave in the show notes where to listen to the podcast. It's called The Campfire with Parkers and Daily. Um, but anyway, it was originally listener mail, but I'll read that later. But yeah, so Seinfeldism came out of that as well. Awesome. So, uh, yeah. There we go. One like me, a podcast referencing Seinfeld. Nice one. That's how I got mine. In sync. In sync, yes. Uh, bye, Seinf- bye, bye, bye. <laughs> bye, Not literally bye. Oh, okay. Uh, Seinfeld news? <laughs> Seinfeld news. Now, it was Seinfeld's 30th anniversary over the weekend, so I'd imagine you have, what, 800 pieces of uh, Seinfeld news this week? Well, that is kind, that's kind of true, but I've decided to sort of just put them all together in one long kind of article because there were so many yeah. small things that to read them all out separately is a bit silly. Uh, the main event, uh, and I've been talking about this over the last few months, uh, was the Mets-Phillies game that was on July 5 to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Seinfeld. Um, Jerry actually came out for the first pitch, um, and he actually threw a really good ball. You can actually check out the, the footage online. Mm. Uh, and, you know, he's 65 now. Yeah. He had his birthday recently. He's doing well. Yeah, and obviously he's not throwing, uh, you know, absolute screamers <laughs> into the, to the catcher's mitt like a young pitcher. Mm. But considering his age and his dexterity and the fact that he's not a professional sports person, he's actually pretty good. Not bad. It's actually he, a decent first pitch. Yeah, and he lands it straight in the mitt. Oh, straight wow. in there. Jeez. Usually you see those first pitches and they throw them like a couple of metres. Yep. <laughs> or, or, you know, you know, like John 
Howard. Do you remember how he um, he was in Iraq like 15 years ago when he was PM? No. And th- there's this video of him. I think it was like the early 2000s. And he tried bowling like cricket, like a cricket ball. Oh, right. And he just totally fucked it. And the ball just like dropped dead into the pitch and just rolled. It's like it didn't even bounce. It just like he threw it and then the ball just went dunk. It just dropped right down on the ground and just went dunk, dunk, dunk. And That's it's basically time. it's basically a symbol of our government. Yeah. They can't even throw a ball. That's how useless <laughs> they are. You know? Old man fucks a cricket ball. Pretty <laughs> fucks up a cricket ball. Yeah, exactly. Both. Yeah. It, that, that would be the time that you'd most want to sledge someone, but that you couldn't. It's oh, like, this could. is the leader of my country and the person <laughs> yeah. who's technically funding my war and my employment right now. And remember, prime ministers have a legal limit of three assassinations per term. <laughs> No. That's true. If Johnny didn't use his yet, he'd be like, oh, you're first. <laughs> he, he, was, he was probably trying to figure out a way to get a fourth one through. Just this, <laughs> yeah, just this one time. Come two, on. Two for one. Two for one. I've got a voucher. i got a coupon. Yeah. Two for he, one. He calls up Kim and he's like, hey, Kim, can I borrow one of yours? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or George Bush yeah. at the time. <laughs> can you lend us George one? has like a thousand. <laughs> no, he had a thousand. Still like an IAU assass- yeah. assassination. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately for the Mets uh, on that baseball game, they lost seven to two. Apparently, they've been having a pretty bad season uh, and they couldn't turn it around for this game and uh, after the game Keith Hernandez who guested on The Boyfriend uh, an episode we've yet to cover mm, I know I can't wait to do that one uh, he joined Seinfeld and a couple of other baseball experty commentator type people um, on like the panel show after the game to review uh, what happened and the Mets loss and whatnot, uh, and there was a bit of banter between Seinfeld and Hernandez. Uh, Seinfeld mentioned this weird habit. Maybe it happened on the set of The Boyfriend, or maybe it's well known. I'm not sure. Uh, apparently, he's got a weird habit where he peels a Tootsie Pop, which is like a candy bar in America. Mm, yeah, yeah. And he kind of sucks on it, and then he leaves it on the wrapper, and then he'll just come back to it throughout the day. Okay. Yeah, he just slowly devours. Uh, his Tootsie Pops. He doesn't want to induce all that energy in one hit. Yeah, he doesn't he want to. He just... wants to, like, you know, slowly sustain it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently it's a bit of a thing, and Seinfeld gave him a bit of shit about it. Cool. Um, and then right at the end uh, of that footage, you see Seinfeld actually getting an autographed bat from the Mets' first baseman. His name's Pete Alfonso. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sure celebrities get a lot of free stuff, and they probably have to be, like, fake being sincere, being like, oh, thank you, this means a lot. And it's just, like, added to the, you know, to the pile of free shit that's in their garage. Put in Jerry's spare room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They've probably got a separate storage facility for just all the free crap they get. <laughs> but because Jerry's such a big baseball fan, and particularly a Mets fan, when he gets an autograph bat from uh, the star of the Met, the current star of the Mets, you can tell he's genuinely stoked. He's just like, yeah. oh, thanks, man. This is really cool. That's cool, yeah. Yeah, so it was kind of nice to see that. So he's like a fan. Yeah, That's total awesome. fan. Yeah, he just he sort of he he comes across as being stoked as you know you or I would be if if you know one of our heroes or someone from our favorite team gave us something that was really memorable. Mm, yeah, yeah, uh, which is really cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, that's really all I have. Oh, um, okay, awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, just one thing uh, you don't have on Seinfeld News, but I came across this on Twitter. I think it was the Today Show in America. It might have been the NBC, like the NBC show, or I oh, know it could have been M- M- NBC. I think the Today Show is on NBC probably. in the US, probably ABC, NBC. There, I came across an interview that they did to celebrate Seinfeld's thirtieth. Okay. They interviewed on the panel was Larry Thomas. Yep. So the soup Nazi. Um, they had Steve Heitner, so Kenny Banya. They had uh, John O'Hurley, Jay Peterman, and they had Tim Decay, the actor who played Bizarro Jerry, Kevin. Oh, nice. So they talked, they reminisced about Seinfeld, and you know they were asking questions like, "Oh, do you still?" get people coming up to you saying, oh, you look like the soup Nazi and stuff. And Larry's Larry Thomas was like, oh, depending on my mood, I might say, oh, yeah, yeah, I am. I was the soup Nazi, or I get that a lot. 
you know, depending yeah. on what mood he's in. Yeah, whether he know. wants to interact with a fan or not. Yeah, and he said one time he was on a, uh, a subway and he heard someone yell out, literally, no soup for you. And some, he thought, oh, gee, someone recognised me. He was just telling it to his mate. <laughs> like, he didn't know that, the, like, Yev Kasim was actually on the on the train. Yeah, that's the when actor, you know yeah. one of your quotes has really permeated culture. Yeah, and he couldn't believe it. He's like, wow, geez. When you think you're being called out by a fan, but yeah, they're just talking about they're it. they're just talking about it, yeah. Wow. It's awesome, yeah. And it's just really good. And, and they were talking about, um, John O'Hurley was talking about him buying Jay Peterman or buying a steak, you know, in the company and stuff as well, and literally being like Jay Peterman. Nice. You know, that kind of stuff. It was really great. It was a really enjoyable interview. Yeah. Um, yeah, only goes for about, I think, five minutes or so. It was just like a little segment. On, on today's show but it was really good nice. so yeah we've uh, put that on our Twitter account uh, at Bidbabas so uh, it's in one of our likes section so uh, yeah just scroll through and you'll find it nice it's really nice nice little gem to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the, of the show for sure yeah. I actually do have another bit of news I, oh. did, I did find it buried in all my notes here cool well uh, I'm glad that I contributed to Seinfeld news for the first time no you've, you know. you've made a few contributions yeah okay yeah you've yeah. added a f- you know rarely do things uh, you know um go past me but sometimes you've gone yeah but this other thing yeah. happened and I'm like oh well phew. but I didn't know if you had that in your news so no. I thought it was worth mentioning yeah. no uh, <laughs> if you want to know what yeah. all the celebrations for the 30th anniversary oh, were many. if you yeah. go back to last week's episode I go into detail about a lot of the uh, uh, the I think it's called the Seinfeld experience that's happening a bit later yeah, in the year. Yeah, 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 and all that stuff. stuff. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. And there was a whole bunch of small stuff that isn't really worth mentioning. Because mm, we are recording this the weekend after. Oh, no, we're recording this the week after the 30th happened. So the yeah. 30th happened on the weekend, yeah. For sure. Yeah, but it was great. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing, and I thought this was a, like a cool little sort of nod, uh, Hulu, which is the only streaming service uh, that has Seinfeld, um, is... In America. In America. Yeah. Um, had a uh, just for um, Seinfeld... Uh, a yada yada button so you know normally they've got like play pause stop you know increase speed volume whatever but they actually added a little extra button called yada yada and what did that do uh, it just shuffles the episodes oh fantastic yeah i was actually on the 30th anniversary i watched like five episodes back to back nice i wish there was i use another service but i wish there was a yada yada button yeah uh, we don't have hulu in australia no no but yeah. seinfeld's on two services here it's on prime video and stan yeah amazon prime video and stan yeah yeah, so. <laughs> yeah damn i wish that yada yada oh we don't need hulu no nah. seinfeld's on two but i love hulu <laughs> i love you who i love you who <laughs> Love you. Anyway, let's have a quick break and uh, we'll talk about Season 5, Episode 8, The Barber, requested by our Patreon subscriber and fan, Brandon. So thanks, Brandon, for suggesting this to us. We can't wait to talk about the secondary characters in this one. From Mongolia to Melbourne, you're on Bidwabas. <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking for a brand new conversation podcast? Well, you found it. My name's Ivan Pugioni, and in my relaunched podcast in Melbourne last week, I speak to everyday people who do extraordinary things. When you go into the the inner workings of the story, you know, when you get into the nuts and bolts of stuff, even if you're going to have a story about escapism, you, you want the reader to easily relate to things. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much wherever else you can get your podcasts. Season 5, Episode 8, we are talking about the secondary characters, ones which I enjoyed uh, quite a bit, especially Enzo and Gino. Obviously, because of my Italian roots, it kind of resonated with me. First aired in the US, November 11, 1993. This one was directed by Tom Sherones, written by Andy Robin. At a job interview, George's interviewer, Mr. Tuttle, played by Jack Shearer, is cut off mid-sentence by an important telephone call and sends George away without saying whether he's been hired or not. Of course. But. Of course. Doesn't he say but? No, he says of course. Does he say of course? Of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I just said of course and just paused. I was hoping that you'd be like, 
Hmm, what, are, what was he trying to say? I'm too tired to pick up your, your references. Ah, fair enough. <laughs> Mr. Tuttle told George... I'll, I'll leave you alone then. <laughs> Mr. Tuttle told George that one of the things that made him such an attractive hire is that he can understand everything immediately. So George, I like to understand. I like to understand. <laughs> what does it say? I enjoy understanding. I enjoy understanding. <laughs> so George is afraid to call and ask for clarification about whether he has the job or not. Elaine asks Jerry to get a haircut in order to look nice for an upcoming bachelor auction. Jerry's regular barber, Enzor, played by Anthony Ponzini, is bad at cutting hair, and Jerry only continues to see him out of loyalty. Kramer recommends that Jerry see Enzo's nephew, Gino, played by David Ciminello, on Enzo's day off. Enzo turns up to be in the shop and, delighted to see Jerry, insists on giving him a haircut, even though it's his day off. Something special. And uh, Jerry's haircut ends up looking like him at five years old according to george he's like a school kid i love it i think it's one of the only times uh that george just has it over jerry yeah 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 you know? and even elaine too yeah yeah but then elaine well actually elaine didn't have much of a much of a contribution to the episode it was just more like organizing the bachelor auction no not really um, but that is just yeah she does have my favorite scene when she's trying to find positive things to say about kramer and she's like and he recently got a haircut that's right <laughs> just the disappointment he's a high school graduate equivalency <laughs> Uh, equivalency. equivalency. <laughs> yeah. He's self-employed. He's self-employed. Yes. He's and six he recently got a haircut. Yeah, that's right. Just the disappointment. Oh man. Do I start laugh. with five bucks? <laughs> no, no. So good. Um, so Kramer organizes a haircut in Enzo's apartment for Jerry to fix the problem. Enzo turns up unexpectedly, forcing Jerry to hide in the closet after Gino has only had made a single snip. Enzo finds Jerry's hair on the floor. He bribes Newman to get a sample of Jerry's hair to compare it with. After finding out that they match, Enzo swears revenge. Le voglio di vendetta. And confronts Gino and Jerry in Jerry's apartment. However, they catch Edward Scissorhand, uh, Edward Scissorhands on the television and stop to watch it. I just love the way Gino pronounces it. Yeah. Edward Scissorhand. That's a Johnny Depp. He making me cry. He making me cry. He making me cry too. Uh, Jerry realizes that the hair sample Enzo used must have been obtained by Newman during his suspicious visit to the apartment. George, who has no idea of what his duties are at his new place of work, is handed the Penske file to work on. When Mr. Penske, played by Michael Fairman, comes to inquire about the progress of his file, he tells George he would like him to work at his company, but is interrupted mid-sentence. Oh no, sorry, Penske says of course. Yeah. Oh no, no, I'm no, no. Sorry, I think Tuttle says of course. And Penske but, says but. no, but but you must be aware or something. But you're yeah. but you're aware. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then George is like, You're aware, you're aware. Mm, yep. Ah, and, he, and he gets cut off as well. Um Tuttle remarks oh he returns from vacation and sees George. Um, and he realises that George has made no progress on the Penske file. George quits, thinking Penske has a space for him. However, he explains that he was in the middle of saying that the entire board of the company has been indicted, and that the company can't hire anyone. Because Jerry is self-conscious about his awful haircut, Kramer is sent to the bachelor auction in his place in the scene that you just mentioned before. Elaine, unfortunately, can't get Kramer to uh, be auctioned off. She starts off with five bucks, with no success. I laughed out loud as well when he fell off the, <laughs> the, the catwalk, catwalk yeah. onto the table. I know, so good. Very, uh, very well played by Michael Richards. Um, Jerry finds Newman in the barbershop, takes an electric shaver, and forcibly shaves his entire head off screen. In the post-credits scene, Kramer calls Newman, asking if he wants to go out, and then Newman says, bald, not for a while. <laughs> Other secondary characters include Ken Miles as Mike, uh, who's one of George's co-workers, as well as Peggy Etra, who plays Clarice, also another co-worker. Dave Richardson plays in oh, Gino's customer, who uh, compliments Gino about his hairstyle. 
Yes. Yes. Yep. Anyway, so a bit of trivia. I only have two bits of trivia for this episode. Yeah, so do I. You start, because yeah. I'll, I'll say the other one. Of course. Unlike previous episodes, the Seinfeld theme heard throughout the episode is removed from the... Sorry. Unlike previous episodes, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> the Seinfeld theme heard throughout the series is removed from this episode. Yes, that's what I was trying to say. And replaced with Giacchino Rossini's Il Barbieri di Sevilla. The Barber of, of Seville. That's right, a comedy opera uh, from a couple hundred years ago, in keeping with the theme of the episode. Uh, what did you have? Yeah, so in this episode, Jerry is wearing a Queen's College cap. Um, and in the manga, he's actually wearing a blue and white Queen's College t-shirt. And this is the college that uh, Jerry graduated from in 1976, where he studied theatre and communications. Yes, and I saw one of the alumni was uh, Ron Jeremy, the yeah, born star. <laughs> Jeez, right. Fancy that, eh? And Ray Romano. Oh, Ray Romano. You love Raymond. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Paul Simon as well. I could imagine Ron Jeremy. I mean, like, do you need a degree to be in porn films? No, maybe just as a degree. Okay, cool. Yeah, a nine-inch degree. <laughs> <laughs> nine inches. <laughs> a bachelor of... Pussy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess. <laughs> Pussyology. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> PhD in pussy. Yeah, okay. Whatever. A PhD in... Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I've, I've lost... PhD it, is pussy and hard dicks. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. God. <laughs> I was actually trying to come up with something for PhD. I was like, penis, uh, pussy, oh, jeez. Oh, but you got it, yes. Peanut, pussy and hard dicks. Penetrated by hard dicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me. Anyway, this leads into my, well, speaking of PhDs, my last trivia fact. Uh, this is the second episode to not feature the Seinfeld theme. Yes. Yeah, what go. was the first one? Chronicles, I suppose. Yeah, that's Pilot true. episode. Yeah, that's yeah. true. There you go. It's got that awesome 80s music. Yeah, it does. The, the, uh, the, the Paula Abdul B-side. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Wolf, if you're listening, tell us about that. You know what's been really, been really awesome? Jonathan Wolf has actually been commenting on our Instagrams, and he actually gives us trivia about the uh, music in the episode. Yeah. Really cool. It's yeah. like how we got round to doing it and stuff. He actually, because we did the note a couple of weeks ago, and he actually talked about how that all happened. So if you go on our Instagram feed, if you go down to our note um, entry, uh, yeah, you'll see Jonathan Wolf. He'll explain like what happened. Yeah, it's really no, it's, cool. No, it's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. I don't know if he listens, but yeah, it's really cool. Like yeah. he just chimes in with his uh, his take. Sick. Just trying to spread the word. Love it. Yeah, I think he's really wrapped that the Seinfeld theme's still going. For sure. This is definitely a proud achievement of his, I'm sure. Some, some royalties for him. Oh, absolutely. Pays his mortgage. Oh, sure does. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about some secondaries. Yeah. Why don't we start off with uh, Enzo Menginero. Si, si, va bene. Enzo was played by American actor Anthony Ponzini. Uh, he was most known for appearing in the films Friday the 13th, the final chapter, and Hard Bodies. Ooh. Uh, he passed away in Connecticut in 2002, aged 69 years. Oh. Yeah, it's very sad. But yes, he was very funny, Enzo. He reminded me a lot of my relatives, like a lot of my older relatives, and that's how they talk. Yeah. But with an, like an Italian-Australian accent. That's exactly how they talk. Yep. You come over here. You know, like when he was talking, I was like, shit, this is like my older relatives. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, no, I figured a lot of this would be relatable for you. Absolutely. I think Enzo probably, well, it's his business. Um, I think he was like the first owner. Um, you can tell too because there's a lot of history in that place because you can see that there's a lot of old photos. If you have a look at the, the set and stuff, there's old photos and it's got that kind of wood 
uh, kind of uh, decor of it as well. You know, you go to like old. You know, have you ever been to Pellegrini's? The um, there's there's a, an Italian cafe on Burke Street called Pellegrini's, right? That place hasn't been renovated for probably like fifty years. So it's time like this, capsule, is yeah, it? it's like this fly in the wall or you know hole in the wall kind of Italian cafe. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> I know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a hole in the wall Italian cafe, but it it has that kind of wood kind of setting, and it's got like memorabilia photos with celebrities who've gone in there and stuff. It just kind of reminded me it's like that really old-timey kind of style. That's what Enzo's had as well. I think Enzo just likes tradition. Uh, he doesn't like any kind of modern kind of trends and, and stuff, and he's just a typical straight-edged old-school barber. He doesn't do any of those kind of cuts no. and stuff. Yeah, he doesn't do all those kind of modern, trendy, you shave half your head kind of cuts. Yeah, I can imagine yeah. some young, hip person walking into the barber asking for something that's not just a short back and sides, and he probably says, oh, no, we don't do that. Uh, no, we don't And then he will go on a bit of a rant, like, I don't know about these kids these days. Yeah. I think he does, I think he has a lot of uh, children, clients as well. I think, because when Jerry has his haircut, it's like a schoolboy haircut. Yeah. I could imagine he probably, you know, cuts a lot of kids' hair as well. So, you know, a lot of kids, like, the parents come in with the kids and then they get cut maybe the parents know he's no good so they're like oh yeah you can just work on my son while I uh, get Gino to they cut distract my hair him. yeah that's right and, <laughs> and they probably feel bad for Enzo because I don't think Enzo has any more clients because you know Enzo is a terrible hairdresser and I, I think I don't think he was terrible from the start I think Enzo when he was younger was really good but maybe he kind of lost his touch I think uh, he just became jaded and angry. Probably that too. Yeah, maybe, definitely. Maybe it was related yeah. to the rising, I guess, skill of Gino, who mm. we'll talk about in a sec. Who's a prodigy in himself. Yeah. yeah, he's, yeah, an, yeah. he's an amazing barber. Sure um, And maybe, you know, I think it's maybe a bit conflicting for him because I think he's really proud of his nephew that he's, con- you know, continuing not only the trade, but, you know, it's probably a case of he'll hand the barbershop to him when he's ready to, to pack it up, mm. um, which will probably be when he dies because he probably won't relinquish control no, voluntarily. No, definitely not. Um, but he's also a bit jealous or a bit envious of his skill. Um, I think he's always known that he's not the best hairdresser. He doesn't want to be outshun, outshined by anyone. No, yeah, yeah. but but he realises that maybe... I can imagine he's very difficult to work with as well. He's, mm. quite, he's quite stubborn. Yeah, he is, yeah. Um, he's not the best communicator. He doesn't have the greatest people skills. Fair enough. Um, and I imagine... Enzo's maybe all he's got and, and I, maybe yeah. Enzo's a big reason why he's still around or Enzo has Newman too that's you. true that's yeah. true yeah, yeah but there's only two but I bet you everyone knows about Gino yep. everyone raves on about Gino sorry I, I meant Gino I oh, think oh, I think he's oh, keeping oh, Gino oh, around because oh. his clientele is keeping the business oh, afloat right I see what you mean yeah, yeah sure yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. I think I think yeah. Enzo is jealous yeah. but also proud of Gino I think it's a bit of a uh, you know bit of confliction there but I don't think he wants to be outshined by G- by Gino as well no. I think he kind of wants to be the top dog but I think because his skills aren't quite as refined as Gino's I think that kind of affects him mentally as well. Yeah. But that's why I thought maybe when he was younger, he was probably like Gino, probably not as good, but he was still pretty good. But then he just, like you said, he got jaded and now his nephews take, you know, doing way better than him. I think that's kind of, his skills have dropped. Yeah. You know, when you've done maybe. something for a long time, you do the same haircut for 40 years. Yeah. You know, you'll eventually slip up. For sure. You know. Um, I think Enzo as well. I mean, obviously he was born in Italy. Yeah, um, yeah, he definitely, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think because his accent is quite strong. I mean, he speaks perfect English. So I don't imagine he would have come over until he was at least a teenager. Because mm. usually if kids come over, you know, up until like maybe 10 or 12, uh, their original accent kind of goes away or it's really, really subtle. But his accent's really thick. So I would imagine that he would have been, you know, 18, 19, 20 when he came over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I reckon he would have come over on his own. Yeah, probably, um, yes. You know, or maybe he already had family 
in uh, New York and he came over and, and joined them and set up his uh, barbershop. Or maybe he was trying to get out of like the mafia. Maybe his family was associated with like organized crime. Yeah, and maybe he had the skills of being a barber and he didn't want to get involved in that stuff. Yeah. So he decided to come on his own. That's just, always a possibility. It's always a possibility. Because he does have the violent Italian... tendencies, though. Yeah, that's true. No, that's that's what I mean. No, you were going to say every Italian is involved in the mafia. Of course they are. Yeah. You better watch what you say. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be wearing concrete boots, man. I know oh, yeah. people. Don't worry. <laughs> no, but the reason why I say that is because Enzo has violent tendencies. That's true. So, you know, he literally, he literally, like, when he catches... And it's funny how they make it out like he's having an affair. I always feel like that too. Like I have a friend who's a hairdresser and I went to her for like two years and then I moved and then I went somewhere else and I felt like I cheated on her yeah. as well. I don't know. I just I can see why Enzo is frustrated. I guess there is a yeah. level of intimacy. Someone is touching your hair. <laughs> and, you know, hair touching is kind of associated with... Uh, uh, what's the word like um in, you know it is an intimate thing like, like if, if like someone massages are in yeah, the note yeah, 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 yeah like yeah, it's a non-sexual yeah. act but it's so adjacent to romance and 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 companionship yeah. and touching i can imagine you know on some level yeah it does feel like cheating because you're like this person knows something very particular about me yeah. we've probably had some intimate conversations because yeah. i've had some very personal conversations with barbers you know oh, you yeah. get chatting like oh you chat about the weather or sports or what do you do for a job and then you'll just say, oh, yeah, my girlfriend and I are doing this thing. And then you'll lead into like something a lot more personal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they'll talk about their families and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So hmm. I, I can imagine. Uh, yeah. I, I understand what you mean. Because yeah. you've, you, you've got an intimate relationship with them. No. Yeah, that's Yeah, that's right. Um, But but I felt like with Enzo, he, if it wasn't for Edward Scissorhands, he probably would have at least severely assaulted Jerry and uh, and Gino probably probably yeah. not killed them but maybe like whacked them a few times yeah but they probably would have overpowered him anyway that would have been a bit of a tussle yeah it would have been a bit of a tussle for sure um but yeah he was ready to kill him if it wasn't for Edward Scissorhands so <laughs> geez he was pretty violent but yeah I think he really takes it to heart when people either don't come back to his shop or they go to Gino he, yeah it's very disheartened I reckon and maybe that's related to the mafia thing because you know loyalty is valued above pretty much all else except money well he does ma- he, he does make a comment um, when he's cutting Newman's hair and he talks about loyalty yeah he says I like people when they're funny but I don't like funny business I don't like that a funny business yeah and he and he looks at Gino and Gino's like oh shit yeah he knows you know it's so. true yeah so you know he does value loyalty above anything else but uh, yeah I just think he did have the skills um, but then he just lost him in time maybe and then, if we assume that he comes from Italy maybe his training wasn't as formal or as good as Gino's yeah you know uh, I'm sure there's wonderful barber schools in uh, in Italy I know nothing about <laughs> barbering in Italy mm. I don't think anyone does um, someone does if you do let us know yeah that, that <laughs> would be a very obscure topic to be knowledgeable in so uh, you know what, what are you interested in I know a lot about the quality and standard of barbering in Italy. Yeah, I, I, I cut Paisano's hair. Yeah. <laughs> I cut the Paisan. Yeah, that's uh, exactly what I do. Yeah, so maybe his training was a bit less formal. And, uh, you know, Gino, even though he's obviously from Italy as well, he's a bit younger. Maybe he came to America when he was younger. Or maybe he was born. Oh, no, he has the accent. Yeah, though. he yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah true. Um, and, I th- yeah, I mean, your accent can be influenced by your parents if you're born in that country, but not to that extent. No, it's no. It's very very thick even Gino's accent is quite thick yeah that's what I meant Um, so maybe Gino went to a more sort of formal prestigious school in in New York yeah yeah and that's why his training uh, or that's why the quality of his haircuts are a bit higher that's right yeah I think yeah I think you're right he's had better training and more skills yeah and uh, yeah I I think Enzo yeah you're right he kind of resents his nephew but he kind of admires him too yeah and I think Enzo would have grown up in a time and trained as a barber when especially in sort of, you know, 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, Europe and Italy as well, which has got a very sort of patriarchal, you know, uh, masculine sort of culture. 
every man's haircut would have been basically the same. So he would he would have just been pumping out the same yeah, haircut. Short back and sides. You know, whereas whereas Gino maybe, you know, he still does the standard st- short back and sides, but he's probably a bit more uh, skilled in terms of the type of haircuts he can give. Well, he does Kramer's hair. That's true. Even though it looks the same. Yeah. <laughs> Kramer well, likes it. Well, it's like, it's a short back and sides, but just a long top. Well, yeah, with the, with the, with <laughs> yeah. the poof on the top. Yeah, exactly. That's right. So speaking of Gino, he was played by David Ciminello. Uh, he's known for appearing in TV shows Generations, Matt Luck. Is that, sorry to interrupt. I'm just oh, curious, yeah. and you'd be able to answer this. Is that how you actually say his last name? Because it's C-O-M. Is that, like, do you pronounce it Ciminello or? Oh, I think it's Kimonello, okay. actually. Okay, cool. Think, no, cool. Yeah, I think C is K. Yeah. It might be Kim Kimonello. I think C is C-H, isn't it? Because, like, Cinque Terre, which is a region of Italy or a part of Italy, is C-I-N-Q. Yeah, say, oh, it could be Chiminello. Could be Chiminello. Okay, cool. So I'm not, I'm not doubting you. I yeah. was just curious. Because I, no, I'm pretty sure C might be. Actually, now I think about it, I think C might be. Isn't C H? Yeah. yeah it okay. Is. So, so Chiminello. Okay. There you go. Cool. Played play by David Chiminello. Uh, he's known for appearing, like I said, in the TV shows Generations, Matt Lark, and uh, Murder She Wrote. Yeah. So yeah, we. I guess we did touch on Gino a little bit, but uh, yeah, no, definitely a prestigious um, barber. Um, yeah, definitely he's in line to take over the uh, the barber shop as well. Um, I think he really respects family and loyalty. Like, he's a very loyal person. I don't think once he takes over the business, he'll, like, renovate the place. I think he'll keep it. He'll keep that wooden look and he'll keep all the memorable photos and keep it the way it is to kind of honour his uncle. I, th- I don't think he'll, like, zhush it up, if no, you know what I mean. No, no I, I, I agree. I do, though, think he holds private uh, desires or wishes to maybe do something a bit different, to break out. Um, but... You know, like a lot of people, they're torn between sort of honouring tradition and and honouring the expectations of their family and their their uh you know the, the older people of their family, but also breaking out on their own. Yeah, that's right. So I think that might be a bit of a source of tension between them as well. I'm sure it, maybe he's expressed like, oh, I want to open my own barbershop or I want to do this thing that isn't in line with uh, Enzo's kind of you know idea of what what he should do as a barber. Yeah. Um, but you know, he he ultimately that that respect and that um you know, honouring of tradition and being loyal sort of supersedes that. Yeah, it does, definitely. Yeah. Um, but, and also Gino, he likes doing pro bono work as well. I really think he admires Jerry, probably the fact that, you know, he's in entertainment and stuff. Like, I don't know if, if he likes Jerry's comedy per se, but I think he admires him because he's an entertainer okay. and entertains people. And I think, you know, after Kramer talks him into, you know, giving Jerry the haircut, I think he's like, yeah, I better. He probably knows that Enzo's shit. Yeah. Or yeah, he's just not. He's lost his touch, you know. So he comes in to try and save Jerry. Yeah, yeah. And I love how it plays out, like they're having an affair. You know, they hide and they talk about. You know, they, it's, it looks like Gino and um, Jerry are flirting with each other and stuff a little bit. It's it's really funny the way they've done it. Yeah, when Kramer's like, you know, how was the haircut? And Jerry's like, oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. You know, soft on the touch, and, <laughs> That's right. and Jerry's almost like cooing. Yeah, and when they talk about uh, Enzo and pre- uh, a couple of previous scenes, Kramer's it's implied that Enzo abuses Jerry. He's yeah. like, you shouldn't put up with that, <laughs> yeah. you know. You should leave him, you know, that sort of thing. You can do better. You can do better. He doesn't yeah, deserve yeah. you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I love how they talk. They, they use that dynamic. Yeah, as well. no, no it is funny. It's funny. Um, but yeah, no, he. I, I think he. He's very, um, very honest guy. He's very. He'll do things for people that he likes. Um, yeah, especially with Jerry and I uh, think he's just he just seems like a really good person he is a good person you know he definitely. wants to do right by people mm-hmm. um, and not just professionally um, for the sake of the reputation of Enzo's but also just personally mm-hmm. yeah know? yeah, absolutely in yeah. his life as well do you think what's his situation direction he's well I'm guessing he's single he lives in the apartment yeah, by himself he's yeah. obviously a bit of a bachelor yeah 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 I reckon yeah. he's a bit of a 
you know, just a bit of a player. I reckon he goes oh, out. Yeah, and, he you know, uses his accent. And I mean, he's a very charming, you know, sort of outgoing sort of guy. He's, he's very friendly. He's very nice. Yeah, I reckon he's a bit of a, you know, bit of a stud. And lots of women love European guys. So yeah. maybe the accent kind of turns them on. Yeah. You never know. Yep. They like foreign foreign men. Yeah, no, people, you never know. People, are, people are turned on by a bit of exoticism. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure he, he uh, takes advantage of that. Oh, he sure does. Makes the most of it. Yeah, he's a good bloke. I think so, yeah. <laughs> good on he might even be able to cut women's hair. You know, maybe he's like, I can, you know, I can cut your grass and then I can cut your hair. <laughs> <laughs> Just come to my place. I've got yeah. a special uh, barber shop right there. Ooh. <laughs> oh, it's called the PhD. <laughs> <laughs> my friend Ron will be coming over. My friend Ron. <laughs> hey baby, the pussy professor's here <laughs> Oh goodness me <laughs> Sounds like a me too moment Goodness gracious <laughs> Oh my god um, But yeah, um, no, I, I liked I, I consider Enzo and Gino as one character Okay. Uh, I don't know. So that's just me. But I really, I really enjoyed the chemistry and their banter and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, just the fact where at the end when uh, Enzo comes into Jerry's apartment, Gino finally gives up. He's like, "I can't do this anymore. I can't hide. This is what's happening. Yep. This is the situation." Mm. Then Enzo threatens to kill him, and then uh, obviously they both loved Edward Scissorhands. They really admire a guy with scissors as hands who can cut hedges, you know, within ten seconds. Into yep. Elephants or whatever the hell he does in that movie. So yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, me too, man. I me think too. um I think the f- their initial attitudes towards Edward Scissorhands is kind of like a proxy for their generational divide. You know, like oh, you said, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. you know how Enzo okay. you said is like an old school kind of just straight down the line, no bullshit Italian guy. What if he has to use the toilet? <laughs> exactly. Then what? Yeah, I I don't think he thinks about the emotionality of Edward Scissorhands. No, he just thinks no. about the practicality. Whereas Enzo. Relates to him on a oh, sorry, Gino relates yeah. to him on an emotional level, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I think I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if that movie, uh, incidentally, brought them a bit closer together. Yeah, because you know, they, they're they crying share, together. Yeah, they, they, in the they, last, on the last you scenes, know, which yeah. is a very vulnerable sort of intimate thing to yeah. share with someone, especially when there's been some tension and some disagreement about sort of how to be a barber. Um, you know, and I, I reckon their 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 relationship would have been a lot healthier, and then you know their workplace. I reckon it just would have you know, made a lot of things a lot easier for both of them yeah. going forward. So yeah. thank you, Edward Scissorhands, so for bringing you. Enzo and Gino closer together. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you, Winona Ryder. Thank you. I forgot who else was in the film. Um, but yeah. yeah. Who, um, was the, I, who was the villain? Uh, was it, was, oh, that was the guy from The Breakfast Club. I haven't, yeah, I, yeah, I haven't yeah, seen it. The geek from The Breakfast Club. Okay. I think he was like the bad the bad guy. I haven't yeah, seen yeah, that yeah. in ages too. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Just one final point, kind of about Enzo. Yeah. I reckon after sort of he, he seems a bit frustrated, like a bit wound up, and I think he needed a bit of a release, um, you know, and Edward Scissorhands provided that to him. I reckon he would have been a bit more relaxed, even though he's very nice to his clients and he's still, you know, even though he's shit, he, <laughs> he, he, still, he still tries. Yeah, yeah. Um, I reckon he would have maybe, his haircutting would have improved. Probably, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, when, you know that, you know that trope in like movies where, you know, if someone is gifted at something and they're just, it's, they're just in a slump, they're mm. in a, like a bit of a creative slump or yeah. something, and then they meet someone or they fall in love and just that feeling of being in love kind of just shines a light on other things that they do and it yeah. just improves every really aspect. Really Hollywood, isn't it? Yeah. So I think, mm. I think him falling in love and sort of finding a deeper part of himself with Edward Scissorhands just made other parts of his life just a bit better. Yeah. And I think Enzo probably laid off, you know, the client's going to Gino. He probably yeah. thought, look, if they like Gino, that's fine. Yeah. It, it makes it easier for him. 
yeah, just I just think it was a bit of a release for him. Yeah, you know? and I think a, they really reconciled. So it was like a good ending for them. For sure. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's nice. That's so sweet. Uh, all right, well, we talked about Enzo and Gino a lot. Why don't we talk about Arthur Penske? Yes, played by Michael Fairman. He's appeared in the films Mulholland Drive, Forces of Nature, and 13 Days. Uh, he's also appeared in The Young and the Restless from 20, oh, 2008 rather to 2014 as Patrick Murphy. Uh, he's also appeared in 14 episodes of L.A. Law as Judge Douglas McGrath. Oh. Never watched L.A. Law, so I don't know who he is. Um, but yes, Mr. Penske indicted for fraud. So uh, I was going <laughs> to talk him about and the whole board. That's right. So I was actually going to talk to uh, talk about the connection between Penske and Tuttle. Okay. When we get to Tuttle as well. Interesting how Tuttle or George says that the company that he's working for is a rest stop supply firm. Yep. What do you think Penske and the board were doing? Do you think it was maybe they were funneling money? like money laundering or maybe they were buying toilet paper from like some country and they didn't pay them or like or they I don't know like what is at a rest stop toilet paper soap <laughs> why do you think they had a file on Penske I don't know I mean yeah. I'm just trying to connect the dots because I think there's more to it than than meets the eye I think it's something really elaborate unless they were doing like a legal things or they were ripping off clients or something i don't, I don't know. know do you think it was just your standard white collar crime they were just ripping off millions from probably potential clients probably just skimming or money laundering or, yeah yeah something something like that but to be indicted for fraud it must be pretty serious it's like well, almost usually, enron level stuff i was going to say usually when a board is indicted and it's that high level white collar stuff it's either like cooking the books or money laundering like something to do with money it's not an individual committing an individual crime mm. you know it's not like penske's you know stealing stock from the even though it's his company mm. or you know it's it's a it's a company-wide issue and it's a systemic issue that they're all responsible for mm-hmm. so yeah it's got to be something to do with money or stock or some white collar some yep. sort of high level complicated white collar crime yeah yeah and i think when penske goes to see george i think penske knows he's in the shit yeah i think that file i have a theory that i think that because he makes a point um because george says that our oh, tuttle's on vacation he, remember when Mr. Penske makes the line, he says, oh, Tuttle was on vacation last time I came in. Mm. I think Tuttle knows that Penske and the board are dodge and yep. they're doing dodgy shit. And I think he doesn't want to take the fall. So maybe he tries to hire George. So if things go to shit, maybe Tuttle is trying to get George to intentionally hide records. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, And Tuttle doesn't want to be the fall guy. Right. So if George, if they get caught, they can say, oh, George cooked the books or George manipulated files. So um, then he'd probably take the fall for the company. Okay. That was my theory because... No, that, the, that, the, that stacks up. The thing that stood out for me, like I said, was when Penske said, oh, Tuttle was on vacation last time I came in. Yep. So obviously Tuttle doesn't want anything to do with Penske. I think Penske brings them a lot of money. It's probably one of their main clients. Yep. But Tuttle knows that Penske's not... He's not. He's pretty crooked. Yeah. And he doesn't want to be associated. He doesn't want to be named in any indictments or anything like that. He's like, I oh, look. I don't want to get involved. I'll just make George my full guy. Yeah. You know. And maybe George, the previous employee, who George replaced, maybe they found out about all this stuff and thought, oh, I'm going to quit. You know, I saw the Penske file and I'm like, fuck, I'm yeah. not getting involved in this. I quit. I don't think the file specifically has anything to do with the apparent crime mm. because. Or maybe, if, there's, if, or maybe the, there's bits of evidence yeah. to maybe suggest that there was some kind of in, uh, fraud or some kind of yeah. activity. So maybe uh, Tuttle was hoping that George would maybe shred them or Don't do know. something with them or manipulate them Cook or the something. Books, yeah. Because I, yeah, I... Maybe I Tuttle's think, getting a kickback. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, you could sort of imagine all sorts of scenarios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but 
the fact that uh, is it uh, Frank? No, who's you know who's the guy that tells George to go to the office and gives him the file like that? Meets oh, that's George. Mike. Mike. Yeah. Um, he he sort of talks about the Penske file, like yeah, just right. the whole file, and him as a client quite openly around the office. Unless if so he has no knowledge of what's going on. I was Unless say, it's something between think, Tuttle and Penske. And that's yeah, it. I was, I was yeah. just going to say I don't think the file itself as a whole sort of thing, prop, yeah. whatever is is um you know is like a hot potato yeah but i think just information in it would be uh you know something that would be permissible uh, in, as evidence yeah yeah exactly yeah um mm. yeah otherwise because if the file itself was the evidence i don't think tuttle would tell anyone about it no it no no like, it'd be secret is, yeah but, but yeah i think there's probably it might obviously not be everything in the file but yeah there'll no. be some things that could implicate there'll be some incriminating information uh, yeah there for sure. absolutely yeah and i think tuttle's the only one who's got knowledge of it uh, somehow no. like yeah and, and i think penske's hoping that you know george can cook the books a bit and you know kind of knows what's going on and yep. can figure shit out yeah or maybe actually because yeah. actually he does say and it's sort of you could kind of it becomes like a whole thriller kind of drama kind yeah. of thing doesn't it yeah it's crazy um and and the fact that you know when he says to george is like you know i i feel like you just get things straight away there's kind of like a bit of indirect messaging there of yeah. just like you know just like you know like you know what's going on you like, know if something's a bit sus you'll yeah. throw it away right yeah yeah, yeah i think that's al- what almost he was like looking a, for there's yeah. almost like a bit of nose tapping like you know what's well, he doesn't tap his nose but there's almost like a bit of what it's what, implied what isn't being said that's right yeah you, yes, yes. you understand wink wink you know yes you know so maybe he, he doesn't want people asking questions he yeah. just wants people to look at stuff and go oh okay this won't benefit penske or the company so i better just uh shred yeah. it or throw it away or yep. you know manipulate a couple of yeah, some so numbers th- or something <laughs> i think he misread george to be like some you know really intelligent person <laughs> who knows sleuth. yeah you know and, and george like, does nothing he just drums on his desk yeah. for a week <laughs> I like that. Jack shit. I like the scene where it shows the clock at nine, and then it cuts to five o'clock. And he's but George, just sitting there. I was going to say, George. You know, like that after an eight-hour day, like you know, we don't have to wear suits or uniforms to work. Mm. But I'm sure I look slightly better at nine o'clock than I do at five p.m. <laughs> you know, I'm probably a bit more tired. You know, my clothes are a bit more crumply. That's just George, though. Yeah, but George is him. just like he looks just as well put together at the end of the day. Yeah, at the start, you know, uh, than at the start of the day. You know, which is just an indication of how little he's done. Mm-hmm. He hasn't even creased his t-shirt yeah or his shirt <laughs> absolutely yeah, really and, like and he that. offers and Penske yeah it's good and Penske offers to bring George along uh, you know just for work I yeah. suppose yeah um, but maybe Penske thinks that George is going to just get rid of all the evidence so maybe he's hoping that George has proved himself and says oh if you can do that for me then I think you're worth bringing over yep you know screw this company well uh, well you know I'll take advantage of your skills over at Penske. Over at Penske and see, if you no can, and see if you can change. And the fact that George doing nothing cost Penske and probably the company as well. True. They probably got indicted eventually. They probably got implicated in this thing too, this elaborate money laundering scheme. Yeah. Crazy. George ruined the whole thing. Mm. He's ruined another company. He ruined Play Now in the uh, the voice <laughs> episode. Um, and now this. Yeah. He's ruined two companies. Yeah, that's true. Insane. He's, He's got uh, a habit of wrecking, wrecking corporations. Yeah, he leaves a trail of wreckage, of destruction. In his wake. He does absolutely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's what I had about Penske, and uh, you see Penske. I didn't want to delve into this information too much, but he's. Uh, it's implied that he uh, he's going to have a bit of trouble with the indictments and stuff. He has the uh, hangman's noose yeah. wrapped around his finger. I, I didn't Obviously want to get into that too much. Um, but yes, things are quite grim. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I mean, that kind of... I don't suge- want to be insensitive, but yes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of suggests that the charges are very serious. Very serious. That's and what if I mean. He, and yes. if he gets uh, 
convicted, he'll be probably in jail for a long, 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 long time. Mm, yeah, if you he know. survives that long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, so that's Penske. Yeah, dodgy guy. And we uh, kind of talked about Tuttle, really. We kind of... A little bit, yeah. yeah. I'll just say that Tuttle, he was played by actor Jack Shearer. Uh, he's appeared in the films in The Negotiator, The Usual Suspects, and Star Trek First Contact. And uh, yeah, I think Tuttle, I, I think he may have gone through the file and inadvertently found stuff and maybe uh, reached out to Penske mm-hmm. and then said, dude, we can't have these, you know, you got to do something about this. And Penske's like, oh, just put it through or just pretend nothing, like it doesn't exist. Yep. And I, I think, like I said before, I don't think Tuttle wants to be the fall guy for mm. the company. So that's why he probably hired someone to do it for him. So then they'll say, oh, you know, if George actually figured out what was going on and did the dodgy stuff, they say, oh, it was Costanza that did all this. Yep. Tuttle, Tuttle will say, I have no knowledge of this. Yeah, you can just claim ignorance. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. that's why he's away. Oh, I was on vacation. Yep. I don't know what happened. It's true. You know? Very well thought out. Mm, yeah, nice very elaborate. So he wanted to, he didn't want to take the blame because he knew yep. Penske was up to no good. No, I meant that was very well thought out oh, from thank you. you. Yeah, thank you. Nice very one. Much. Nice take. We just created a whole thriller, drama, crime yeah. movie out of it. Yeah, there'll be like a spin-off thriller movie, The Penske File. The Penske File. I know, it should be good. And we should bring Jason Alexander back. Yeah. <laughs> and he should just play George. It should be like a George spin-off movie. Even just though, George. Even though Jason Alexander is a really good actor and he's got a really diverse range, I could yeah. not act, not imagine him in a thriller in any way. <laughs> well, he was in uh, the paper, the drama that we did. Yeah, that's true. Scene. No, he's very diverse. I think he could do it. Yeah. Off. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 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 I just couldn't imagine him any sort of like, when I think of thrillers, I think of like, you know, powerful people trying to like hide money or... Oh, Oh, okay. Kill someone, or like you know, do something, or like covering up a crime, or yeah. something like that, or some conspiracy. So it'd be more like a crime drama. Or yeah, I just something. couldn't imagine George in like a position of power. Because <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. George Costanza is like the least powerful person on television. He's just so weak. Yes, he and he's got no sway or no pull. Uh, yeah. I just couldn't imagine him. He'll always be George Costanza. So him being like a powerful person trying to murder someone or cover up money laundering, it's like eh, that, that, uh, it just doesn't fit. I just love how George's inactivity basically finished like it just created the indictments yeah it didn't make the indictments go away <laughs> just the fact he did nothing he could have done something to help Penske and he just gets away scot free Penske. yeah that's oh. right and then George quits and he's like oh whatever actually kind of it's kind of like a nice poetic justice in George's typical doing nothing there's, there's actually a bit of uh, you know justice to white collar criminals oh yeah indeed now, hopefully know. Penske went away for a very long time definitely hopefully uh, yeah that's all I think we had about Arthur Penske and Mr. Tuttle yeah they're all the secondaries for the episode and uh, yeah let's take one more break and we'll come back and find out where the barber sits in our list of Seinfeld episodes if any of the secondaries have made our top 20 of all time and some listener mail Mr. Penske <clears throat> I, I, uh, I was just working on your file <laughs> I was uh, transferring the contents of the file into this uh, flexible accordion style folder to uh, where's Tuttle he's on vacation he was on vacation the last time I dropped by give me my file Looks like you put a lot of work into this. Well, you know, in college, they used to call me the little bulldog. Okay, where does the barber sit in your episodes we've done so far? Yeah, so Stephen, out of 90 episodes that we've done, and not including our special eps, of course, uh, the barber is number 32. Okay, So cool. quite high up on my list. I said before that, uh, you know, because of my Italian heritage, I really enjoyed the characters Enzo and Gino, you know, the way they talked and, you know, all that stuff. I thought that was really fun. Um, it was just an episode which I... I'm, like I know some people might say it's a it's an okay episode and stuff, but I, I really had fun with the episode. I thought it was one of the like only episodes of the show that I've watched 
where I've had lots of fun watching it, especially the Enzo Gino stuff, especially with the um, with the opera music as well in the background taking place instead of the Seinfeld theme. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, it gives it a different vibe. A different vibe, yeah, and it was just really different as well, like different in a great way. It's kind of like The Frogger. The Frogger was a totally different episode, but mm-hmm. I loved it. Yep. Um, but yeah, th- yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's not. I wouldn't say it's you know one of the greatest ever or a classic, but a bit underrated in my books. I okay. really enjoyed it. Yeah, really enjoyed the uh, the characters and everything. Yeah, and the whole George subplot as well was pretty good. Okay. Yeah. How cool. about you? Uh, it's number fifty nine. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I really liked it. I wish um, there was maybe a couple of extra scenes at the uh, um, auction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, we don't see enough of Elaine. No. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, she definitely takes a backseat in this episode. Mm. Um, Considering there's no post-credits stand-up bit in this episode, it's just the post-credits scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I thought that would have fleshed out Elaine a bit more with that extra screen time, but no, it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't really like Newman's part in the episode. Okay. I mean, I know... He had to get a sample of Jerry's hair. Okay. I thought it made sense having him in there because he'd yeah. be the only one who'd be sinister enough to try it. That's true. Because he hates Jerry. I guess Jerry. it's an opportunity to get back at Jerry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't didn't really do much for me. That's fair. Um, and I wish they dedicated that screen time to Elaine's storyline a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but other than that, yeah, not a bad episode. A few lols. Um, yeah, and a bit different. Cool. What did you think of the episode? Let us know. We'd be pretty curious to see if you liked it or you thought it was pretty average or, or whatever. Now, Stephen, going... Oh, actually, um, secondary characters of all time, yes. Um, none made my top 20, but special mentions to Enzo and Gino. Of course. I thought they were great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. Uh, none made my top 20, but, um, yeah, honourable mentions to those two because they're pretty cool. Yeah. And those lists lead into our listener mail for this week. When you control the mail, you control... Information. So we received two messages this week. Uh, first one was an email from uh, listener and Patreon subscriber Brandon, who we mentioned at the start of the episode. Uh, Brandon actually uh, asked us to do the barber, so uh, thanks, mate, and we're glad we did that one. Um, Brandon said that he's finished all nine seasons of Seinfeld, so when we featured him a few weeks ago, he was going through the episodes. He was watching them all back-to-back, um, but he's finished them all, and he's actually updated his episodes and his Seinfeld secondary characters. Oh, yeah. Like we do, yeah. So I'll read those out in a bit. Um, he started listening to our season 10 episodes, um, which he's really enjoying. Uh, he likes his favorite ones are the faulty modem and the teppanyaki restaurant. Um, so basically if you haven't listened to them yet, uh, Steve and I came up with 10 modern day Seinfeld episodes as if it was a, basically a, uh, Netflix. A redo of the show. Yeah, that's right. As if it was like a Netflix season, 10 episodes. Yeah. Like Will and Grace or Roseanne. Yeah. Or, like yeah. if it ever got revived, not that it would, but, uh, yeah, we've had quite a few good responses for it. So Brandon's enjoying it. Uh, I remember they were really hard to write <laughs> to try and come up with as well. So, uh, Brandon, I really appreciate uh, those words. Thank you so much, mate. Um, so his top 10 episodes as he's watched uh, all nine episodes i'll just grab those for you now so here's top episodes uh number 10 is the hot tub uh i'll go from 10 to 1 actually so from uh, number 10 the hot tub the mango the hamptons the pen the package the bottle deposit the marine biologist the outing the movie and the contest and his secondary characters are from number 10. Number 10, Meryl from The Wife, who's one of my favourites too. Uh, Aaron the Close Talker, Bookman, Peterman, Frank Costanza, David Putty, Newman, the Soup Nazi, Yev Kasim, Jackie, and George Steinbrenner. Oh, nice. Excellent. Yeah, so thanks very much, Brandon. Very kind words. Yeah, no, he just made two mistakes. He The number one episode <laughs> is actually The Jacket. <laughs> and the yeah. number one uh, character is actually Alton Bennis. Oh, but it's okay. You it's know, okay. None of us are perfect. 
Oh, we're not all perfect, but yeah, thanks, Brendan. And also, like I said, thanks for suggesting this episode. As yeah, well, no, thank you. It was, it was a good episode to do. Awesome. And leading in from my Seinfeldisms, uh, Seinfeldism for this week in our segment earlier, um, Parker's, he is the co-host, as I mentioned before, of a podcast called The Campfire with Parker's and Daily. Um, I did mention the Seinfeldism related to that podcast, but uh, he just wanted to say thanks uh for the podcast he's really enjoying the episodes he's a huge Seinfeld fan and uh, he's glad to see more Melbourne based podcasts out there yeah no Melbourne's got a really good podcasting community yeah it does and uh, yeah glad we can sort of support each other and be Seinfeld fans together yeah and uh, his podcast is just him and his friend Daly and they talk uh, next to a or they talk in front of a simulated campfire with the appropriate sound effects and they just talk about different topics that come up and uh, they have nice hilarious banter. Nice. Admittedly, I haven't listened to it yet. Oh, that's okay. Uh, do they pick a topic each week and focus around that or is it just a stream of consciousness just kind of conversation? St- well, they, they just go from topic to topic. Well, from what I've listened to, it sounds like that they they talk about a segment or they talk about something but then it kind of leads on to something else or okay. maybe they'll, they'll, have, they'll put a break in between and then they'll come up with another topic or something and they just talk about different things but just the banter is really funny okay uh, yeah it's good just you know if you want to hear a couple of blokes talk in front of a campfire quote unquote mm. it's, a, it's a funny one nice. um, the campfire with Parkers and Daily that's the name of that one and uh, we'll put the website in our show notes so you can go listen and they're pretty much available anywhere Apple, Spotify just like us yep yeah so thanks very much Parkers and uh, Daily as well indeed yeah my name's Ivan and I'm Stephen and you have listened to but I don't want to be a secondary character for another week thank you so much for listening you can find us on social media uh, Facebook Twitter Instagram yada 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 at B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C Bidwilbask podcast at gmail.com is our email if you want to say good day. and uh, we're on Patreon Stephen yep if you head to patreon.com for dot com forward slash Bidwilbask <laughs> you can check out all the tiers we have and what you can get for your hard earned dollars every month yes and we would like to thank Tim Brandon Nakia and Holly for being our Patreon subscribers so yep. thanks for your support indeed yes We'll be back next week for season six's The Soup, which I can't wait to do. Yes. Yes. Kenny Banya, he's back. The Punisher. Soup can't is not soup. Soup's not a meal. It's not a meal, Jerry. <laughs> soup's not a meal. <laughs> go somewhere nice, like Mandy's. Like, like Mandy's. Take me somewhere nice, like the newly crowned Vandalay Studios, where we record. It's <laughs> <laughs> not very nice at all. No, it's That fine. doesn't count as a, as a meal. Oh, well, I can eat my computer, I suppose, you know, from a bit peckish. I don't know, whatever. What are we going to record on? Your mattress? <laughs> yeah. I'm just, at, I'm just looking at what's around the studio. My your, drum kit. Your, your drum kit or <laughs> your, um, your exercise bike. Yeah. We'll see you for a meal next week in the soup. Take care. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh.